Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Kitavo. We're already coming to the end of the books of the five books of Moses and we're also already like in the middle of the month of Elul preparing for Rosh Hashanah to begin a new new year and uh, the Jews are ready to enter the land of Israel at this point they, they, they're been in the desert for 40 years and Moses has been shepherding them uh, all this time having to keep up with their uh, stubbornness and guiding them and loving them and um, they're ready to go into the land of Israel so in this parasha there's a dramatic message in which Moses puts half of the Jewish people on, a, on Mount um, Eval and the other half they go to Mount uh, Gesserim. And he stands in the middle of these mounts with the priests and he tells them if you, if you keep the, the mitzvahs, God will bless you. And they all answer, Amen. And then he says to the other half of the people who are on the other mount, if you don't keep the mitzvahs, well, God will place all the curses upon you. And they also answer, Amen. So here it looks like a laundry list of, uh, of things that people have to wash before going uh, uh, to bed. And um, nev nevertheless, the, the, the curses are enumerated in this parasha at the end of this parasha and they're very 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 scary it's more when when they read them in shul this this shabbat the the balkora he goes very fast saying them so people don't listen to them so so well so because they're horrible but at the end of the day they're really not curses they're blessings in disguise and there's a story of the son of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe used to be a Balkorah in his synagogue. And every year he used to read this Torah portion. And one year he had to travel. So someone else read this Torah portion. And, uh, and his son, Dov Bear, listened to this Balkorah. And when he heard him saying the, the, the curses, he fainted and he got very sick. When he was able to come back to himself, they asked him, what, what, what's wrong? Why did you faint? And he said, you know what? I've never heard this before. This is horrible. I've never heard this in my whole life. He says, but you've been coming to the synagogue for years. You always hear your father reading this Torah portion. And so the son said, Dov Bear, he says, you know, when I heard my father say it, 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 it sounded like blessings. It didn't sound like curses. So really, there's nothing bad that can come up from Hashem. Hashem only sends goodness to us. But sometimes the good has to come as a, as a curse. So we can wake up and come back to Him and do Teshuvah. So at the end of uh, Moshe, reading to them all these curses, He tells them that God will never abandon His children completely. Then... At the end, Hashem promises the Jews that if they keep the Torah, the nations will also see God, uh, God's name upon them, and they will be scared of the Jews. So what it's telling us is that really when a Jew keeps Torah and mitzvot, he really is a representation of God. He's revealing Hashem in this world. So when you see a Jew praying, when you see a Jew being honest in business, when you see a Jew eating kosher, when you see a Jew keeping Shabbat, 
but they're honest and they're real and they're truthful, the other nations will have enormous respect towards the Jewish people because they see that they have a higher power that they that they go with and they are scared of this. They, they have a respect, they have awe. So it's basically understood that if the Jew keeps the mitzvahs, the other nations of the world will sense that they are connected with some higher power and they will stay away. The Talmud, however, suggests that the above verse specifically refers to the head tefillim, the phylacteries, and what it says is from here is that we know tefillim gives Jew strength. So we know that the tefillim gives a Jew strength, and there's a verse that says, and all the nations of the earth will see that God's name is upon you, and they shall fear you. And Rabbi Eliezer said, this refers to the head tefillim. So the tefillin really consists of two black boxes. Uh, they're made out of uh, leather and they have these black straps. And they, have co uh, they contain within themselves a parchment paper, parchment scrolls, which are inscribed with biblical verses. The, and the boxes are attached to the leather straps and that secures them on the head and on the arm. So men put the tefillin between their eyes and, and then they wrap the tefillim on their left arm, which is uh, on the side of the heart. If he's, a right, if he's a lefty, then it goes the other way around. So the Rambam considers tefillim as two separate mitzvahs. He says that the mitzvah of the head and the mitzvah of the arm are two separate mitzvahs, the tefillim of one and the other are completely different. Not only they are two separate mitzvot, but each one belongs to a separate category of mitzvahs. And then the Rogachover Rebbe, who was Rabbi Yosef Rosen, who was a prominent Talmudist and commentarist in the beginning of the 20th century, classifies them into two categories. One is the category of action and the other one is the category of outcome. So the mitzvah of the hand tefillim is the act of doning the tefillim. When you're wrapping them around, you're acting. It's a verb. You're, it's an action. And the head uh, tefillim is the mitzvah that they be worn. So it says that, they, that, that you should bind them. And so when you're binding them, it's an action. And when it says one should have in my, uh, to put it in your head, then it's like it's just a thing that is there. So one is an action and the other one is a passive verb. It's just there, it's, it's there. So the question many people have like, why don't we go to sleep with the tefillin? Why don't we keep them on all day if God wants them on? So the answer is that no, it's, it's required that every day a man does the action of binding the tefillin on his head. It's, it's a mitzvah to bind them. It's not only to keep them on. It's also, it's two separate things. So the hand tefillim is an act, and God desires this act, and the head tefillim is an outcome, which God desires the tefillim sitting on the head. So the Shulhan Aruch, which is the code of Jewish law, which is really a very dry learning, the Shulhan Aruch, because it's all law, it's a law book, Interestingly, when it's talking about the feeling, puts passion into it and it makes it like a meditation. And he sa it says in the, in the Shulhan Aruch that when putting on the feeling, one should have in mind that God commanded us to write these four biblical excerpts that contain his unity 
and the exodus from Egypt and to place them on the arm opposite the heart and the head opposite the mind. He so commanded us so that we remember the miracles that were done to us when we exiled Egypt and the wonders that Hashem did for us and to attest to his unity and that he has the power and the ability to do as he wishes at any moment in the upper realms and in the lower realms. So the goal is to subjugate the soul, the, the, the soul which is in the mind and the heart's desires to divine service. So the whole purpose of the tefillim is that your intellect and your emotions are geared toward, towards the service of Hashem. And um, sometimes we think one thing and we do another thing. And this is what the feeling does. It's, it's mind, and, 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 and mind and emotions are geared towards serving God. That's the whole purpose of the tefillin. So we see here that the, that the tefillin really is a wiring system that connects our minds and hearts to God. And the head is a channel of the mind and it should be channeled towards God. And the heart is, 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 is in the hand, which is the heart, is the opposite channel, uh, is our channel to Hashem. To, that we get our desires of this world, of the material world, and we channel it for the will of God. So, also, it says that the emotional goal is that when it comes to get uh, something done, uh, and the emotions lag behind, either out of fear or trauma, the mind should be able to do, to, to do what it needs to be done, no matter how you're feeling. And this, uh, today, you would call it cognitive behavioral therapy, but in reality, it comes from the Torah. It's 3,500 years ago we've been doing this. It's not something new, a new discovery in psychology. It's something that is very old. And we see it from the tefillim, that the mind should be able to talk to the heart and tell to it, like, listen here, this is what we have to do. This is what is right. I don't care what you're feeling. If you don't love your mother and she's been bad to you and she never was caring towards you, the Torah says you have to honor your mom. What does that to honor your mom mean? It means that you don't sit in her chair. It means that when she walks into the room, you stand up. It means that you don't raise your voice towards her. It means that you take care that she has every need. It doesn't mean you have to love her. It doesn't mean you have to hang around with her. It doesn't mean you have to be her best friend. What it means is that you have to honor her. So when the mind is geared towards Hashem's will, and the emotions you're able to also gear them towards Hashem's will, then it doesn't matter what you're feeling, the important thing at the end is what you do. So, so we see here also, there's a story, a famous story of Rabbi Manis Friedman, that one day he had um, one of his uh, retreats, and this lady came to the retreat, and she said to, the, to Rabbi Friedman, he, she said, you know what? I'm not a good person, I'm not a nice person, I'm really, really not a nice person, and I don't like it. I want to be a nice person, that's why I came to your retreat. So Rabbi Manis Friedman at, the, at lunchtime called the lady up, and he said, look, could you help me serve the water? And the lady looked at him and says, Rabbi, who do you think I am? I, I paid so much money to come to your retreat and learn how to be a good person. I didn't come to serve water. So the, the Rabbi, Ma, Rabbi Mani said to her, okay, but you told me you want to be a good person. To be a good person, you have to act like a good person. That's what you have to do. What makes a good person? 
What makes a good person? It's not so much what they're thinking, it's, it's what they're doing. And so the end game is not about being good, the end game is about doing good. So if the feeling is such a great double mitzvah, why are women exempt from it? Why we don't get to have this uh, this merit of, of the tefillim? And I know there's many women who love to put on tefillim. They're not, they, they don't go by the, by the Shulhan Aruch and they decide they're gonna put on tefillim. But really in the Torah, this is not a mitzvah of the women. It's not considered one of our mitzvot. It's not made for us, it's made for men. And, um, and nowhere in the Torah really it says that a woman cannot lay on the feeling, but we know that a woman should not wear men's clothing. And when it's talking about men's clothing, it means his seats and his um, and his tefillin. That's what it means. It, that's, this is what they wear. So we know that this is not a, a woman's thing. Although there's been women in the Torah, in, in 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 the Jewish history, not in the Torah, but in Jewish history who uh, laid on tefillin like Rashi's daughters. They used to put on tefillin, uh, nobody knew. It was a secret, but they used to do it. So one day I had a shiur in my house and Rebetzin Shapiro from Florida came. And there was this lady in the, in the <clears throat> that came to listen to her and she said to her, look, I'm very upset because I find that Jewish religion is very chauvinistic, is very male-oriented, and women are there to clean and, and sweep the floors and look after the kids, and there's nothing for the women. So, so she said, I would love to put on the feeling. So Rebetzin Shapiro told her, eh, you know what, really women are not bounded by time mitzvahs. We don't have to do anything that is bounded by time, because the job of a woman is a different job than the job of the man. We're two different entities, and both of us are very important in the, in the business of building a home, and we need both. If both of, the, of the, both of the couple are doing the same thing, then half of the work is not gonna be done. So she said, like, the, and she said, but the daughters of Rashi put on the film, and the Rebetzin Shapiro said yes, but the daughters of Rashi kept every mitzvah that they had to do. They, they went by the book, they did everything they had to do, and they had extra time to put on the tefillin. So she said to her, if you have time to put on the tefillin and go to shul and pray with a minion, but you already bathed your kids, you already gave them breakfast, you already took them to school, you already did everything you have to do, and you still have time for tefillin, but we'll put tefillin. But if you haven't done the women's mitzvot, which are lighting Shabbat candles, keeping the kashrut of the home, keeping the fa family purity of the home, you're, you're in charge of, 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 of hesed, of, of doing all these things, and you still have time for the tefillin, we have, go do it. But if not, you cannot not do what you have to do to go and do something that you don't have to do. So the man goes out in search of godliness, the woman cultivates a godliness. We're two different people. He has to go out and look for it. We have it inside. The man provides the seed to create life. The woman bears life. There's nothing more connected to Hashem than a woman. The woman is the creator of life. She's a creator just like God. And the man teaches his children how to live. The woman is life. She is the life of her home. So this is what the Hasidic masters teach us. 
And um, another beautiful thing I learned is that the box of tefillim are called a bait, which is a home, and the woman is also called a bait. So the home in which she raises her family. So men have a responsibility to create a bait, a home, through prayer, through putting on tzitzit, through putting on tefillim, through learning Gemara, through learning Torah. And women have the same merits when they're taking care of their family and they're making sure their home is a Jewish home, a wholesome home, a loving home, a peaceful home. And in this way, they bring the godly presence to the world. So I want to wish you a good week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you. (laughs) 